You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Before we get into our guests today, I just want to go over a few things. Once again, if you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Also on our website, millionairesunveiled.com, you can find various resources about the show, more show notes. And also we've got some millionaires that were willing to do interviews with us but did not want to be on the podcast. And we've posted some of those on the website as well. Also, we have some uh, people who have inquired about investment opportunities. We are currently raising capital for some investment in the multifamily space. And if you'd like to uh, look at a couple of those, just email us at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. So today on the show, we've got Jennifer, and her net worth is just about $1.8 million, and that's mostly in real estate and a couple duplexes and a triplex. And then she's got a little bit and some cash and some alternative investments, which we'll get into in the show. And Jennifer's got a really unique story about how she got started and, and what she's doing and what kind of niche she's in. We get really into the details in the show. It's going to be a great show. So without further ado, let's get right to it. All right. Welcome to Millionaires in Vail. Today we have Jennifer with us. Jennifer, would you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now? Sure. Yeah. So um, I got started pretty early on with uh, real estate development. So uh, starting at 21, I got into real estate development, actually working as an employee for a builder developer and uh, pretty much did that for about two years until the market completely crashed. And uh, I saw some great opportunities. uh, So I actually went out on my own, uh, worked with investors, and we actually were kind of finishing off uh, half-finished projects around town. So uh, pretty much since uh, 21, for the last 10 years, um, I've been doing a lot of different things within real estate investing. Um, and that's pretty much still what I'm doing today. Awesome. And what's your net worth today? So uh, it's uh, 1.8, just shy of 1.8. And what is that uh, comprised of? Yeah, so it's about... Uh, Roughly uh, 1.5 in equity in my real estate portfolio, and that includes uh, 18 rental units, uh, our primary residence, and then also a multifamily zone lot that we're getting ready to build on. And then our uh, rental portfolio pays out about eight to $9,000 a month in net cash flow. And then we have about $100,000 in cash, uh, 63000 in uh, vehicles, kind of equity, that's you know less the auto loan that I still have that's at 2% interest rate that I haven't <laughs> yet paid off yet. Uh, and then I have about 65000 in a self-directed 401k. And that is uh, pretty much completely invested in, um, I have like 32000 in Peer Street, which is a kind of a hard money lending company, about 5000 in uh, AHP Fund, which also does, um, it kind of has loans out on um, their uh, kind of discounted um, foreclosure loans. And then 25000 in an apartment syndication. 
And my self-directed 401k averages out about a 9% ROI on kind of all those different things I just mentioned. And then I have another 5,000 with InstaLend, which is another hard money lending company asset in a e-commerce business that I was literally just today negotiating a sale on. And then I have a whopping $500 net worth in cryptocurrency right now. So, <laughs> and, <it laughs> and then was- not included. Yeah, not included in that. So I actually also have a blog site, uh, a couple um, online courses, and then a real estate business that I would have no idea what that would be worth. So that's pretty much it. Awesome. And the e-commerce, is that? do you operate that business too that you just were selling? Yeah. So I actually, it's a drop shipping store. And uh, I actually did it as a passive income uh, kind of experience experiment um, earlier this year. And then I realized that it wasn't very passive. So, uh, so got it all set up and, um, you know, made some sales, really honestly didn't know what I was doing. So uh, literally turned it off because I couldn't, uh, I got, I was getting a lot of inquiries and it just wasn't a good use of time. So, uh, so yeah, so now I'm selling that. Awesome. And let's dive into this, the, uh, the real estate portfolio. So you said you have 18 units and are those Single families, duplex, multi? Yeah, so pretty much um, all of them are duplexes. um, And then we actually have a triplex. But that's kind of my bread and butter, really, is these um, kind of smaller two to four unit properties. Uh, We also have, like I mentioned, another one that we're building on or going to be building on as soon as we get permits here. That'll be two duplexes. Um, But yeah, that's kind of my bread and butter. Um, I mean, they just provide a lot of cash flow uh, the financing is super easy. Um, you know, once we lock in those conventional loans, you know, it's locked in for 30 years at, you know, between four and 5% interest rate. So I don't have to worry about a balloon payment later, you know, with apartment complexes and things like that. Um, super easy to rent. Um, all of our properties are actually kind of interestingly, uh, single story. So I purposefully buy single-story properties because at some point I'm thinking that um, a lot of our renters are going to be, you know, seniors or um, we actually have uh, nine of our 18 units um, are rented out um, to people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's kind of a different spin on things. But uh, but yeah, so we kind of have some uniqueness there in that portfolio. And you kind of just answered this a little bit, but how come not buy, a, you know, an apartment complex with 25 units? Yeah, so um, I've looked at a lot of apartment complexes. I've actually looked at a decent amount of commercial um, real estate, but I haven't found anything that could actually hit the return criteria that I have. Uh, where these duplexes, you know, they're they're small enough for the big guys not to care. Um, but a lot, but then the a lot of the newer investors focus on single family. So I, I kind of feel like, you know, a lot of times these, you know, two to four unit properties are just kind of passed up. Um, but like I said, I mean, they're really easy to rent. Our vacancy rates are super low. Um, we're also able to get, you know, not as high of rent as single family, but our per unit price is considerably lower than like what a single family house would be. Um, but also the rents are considerably higher than what an apartment complex would have. Um so, yeah, you know, I think if the right deal came up with an apartment complex, of course, you know, we'd go for it. Um, but I just haven't found any in the last couple of years that would really meet that criteria. So in regards to all of these duplex and tries that you have, do you self-manage all of them? Yeah. So um, 
pretty much this, well, 16 of the units are in Washington State, uh, just north of Seattle. And then we have uh, another duplex in Indianapolis. Um, and then we self-manage all of the Washington properties. The Indianapolis property is with the property manager. Gotcha. And and how old were you when you bought when you bought your first real estate deal? Kind of walk us through that first deal. How did you get started? Yeah. So that's when I was 21 years old. Um, and you know, <laughs> I think the the difference is I thought it was an investment. It actually turned out to not be an investment. It was actually a huge liability. And I say that because you know, I, I it was a single family house. Um, I bought it with the idea that, you know, I'd live there for a year and then develop the property. Um, and, and that happened to be 2007. <laughs> so we all, we all know what happened the following year. Um, but that experience actually was a huge benefit for me. One, I was super young. Um, so I got to learn, you know, a really good and expensive lesson early on. And then it also taught me that, you know, if, if your investment strategy uh, requires appreciation, then you don't really have a great investment strategy because obviously if the market goes down, um, you, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to work. You're not going to win on that strategy. So I kind of took that experience and I actually, you know, completely changed, um, you know, how I invest. And that's actually, um, you know, really now why I invest, you know, just based on the income streams of the assets that I'm buying. Um, so I don't factor in, in any of my numbers, anything for appreciation, you know, if I get it, which of course I have, but if I get it, then that's just kind of, you know, the, the cherry on top, the icing on the cake. Um, but really my main focus is to just get those streams of income, you know, a high rate of return and, you know, just focus on the cash flow. Gotcha. So did you know that you always wanted to be in real estate or how did that desire start? Yeah. So you know, I don't know that I always wanted to be in real estate, but um, I, I think early on I learned the power of leverage, you know, meaning that you could put, you know, 20, 25% down on a property, borrow the rest at a super low interest rate, lock it in for 30 years, and then, uh, you know, have the tenants pay, you know, the that loan down. Um, and then also, of course, get paid for owning it. Um, so I couldn't really find any other <laughs> investments that compared to that. So, you know, I think when I got that first taste of real estate, of course, that, that deal didn't necessarily work out. Um, but I think once I did it right, then it really made sense. And I really realized like, gosh, you know, if I can just focus on, you know, this one area of, the, of investing um, and make it work, then, you know, I think it makes sense. So, so I've kind of just stuck there, you know, obviously adding in more, um, you know, peer-to-peer -peer lending and these hard money loans and syndications and things like that over the years. Um, but it's all pretty much kind of been around real estate. Gotcha. So what's kind of your criteria when you go approach a deal? Yeah. So my uh, minimum return on investment for direct ownership, so basically meaning, you know, of course, I'm going to own the real estate myself, is a 15% minimum cash on cash return. And that is based on cash flow alone. That doesn't include, you know, um, projections for price appreciation. I also don't include principal pay down on that um, or tax incentives. That's basically, you know, what I would expect uh, my return on an investment for, um, you know, the down payment. And then, of course, the initial upfront costs. Gotcha. And is that it? Just basically 15 percent? 
in terms of like location, you don't really care? Do you try to buy in certain BC neighborhoods or how does that kind of work? Yeah, I mean, I would say 15%, but then also I, I should say I have a per unit requirement of at least $500 per unit per month. Um, you know, because there's some, you know, C, D type properties that would have, you know, a decent return on investment, but probably not be in an area that I'd want to buy. So I do definitely, I think my biggest criteria for, you know, where to buy is in, you know, I've done a lot of research on cities that have, you know, growth uh, with their overall popul you know, population growth. And then, of course, you know, job market. Um, and then crime, that's more of a, you know, kind of neighborhood by neighborhood. Um, but a lot of cities kind of fell out of the, you know, running after I, I kind of looked at, you know, declining populations and things like that. Um, so, of course, in Washington, we have a super strong economy, very low, you know, unemployment rate, um, pretty low crime rates, good schools, you know, things like that. Um, but, you know, the other reason why I chose Indianapolis uh, was one, to get a little bit of diversification within my portfolio. Um, and then for two, you know, there was good job growth. Uh, there was population increases. Um, you know, the price to rent ratio was really great. And then I also, you know, was able to get that 15% uh, return on investment minimum um, and then also meet that, you know, $500 per month per unit uh, in cash flow as well. Gotcha. And where are you sourcing most of your deals? Um, actually, mostly from agents. So, um, you know, I've worked with some wholesalers, but a lot of times it just seemed like uh, their deals are more work, um, you know, because a lot of times uh, their numbers are a little off or they're trying to make the deals look a little better than what they actually are. Um, but yeah, I've actually had the best luck working just with other agents. Um, of course, I'm a licensed agent myself, um, but I still, you know, have agents even in my area send me deals. And, you know, of course, I'll let them, you know, represent me and things like that. Um, so, yeah, really just agents that and, and again, when I say agents, I mean agents who have the knowledge and skill set to work with investors. So not your, you know, everyday agent where you go on, you know, Zillow and find the person that sold the most houses in a given neighborhood, you know, no, nothing like that. Um, mostly agents who, you know, own real estate themselves, are investors themselves, work with investors, you know, and really know how to find deals and know the numbers. Gotcha. So you've, you've built up this pretty impressive portfolio. Do you have a target net worth or target number of doors that you're trying to head towards in the next five or 10 years? You know, I wouldn't say that we have a target, you know, number of doors. Um, I'd actually prefer to own you know, less units, but just earn more. Um, so, you know, but, but the number that we've actually thrown out there is a 50 million in net worth by 50. So we're 31 right now. Uh, we've got a couple of years to go, uh, but that's, that's the goal we're working on right now is 50 million by 50. What role has your husband played in all of this real estate investing? Um, you know, I kind of got him into the business. When I first met him, um, he had actually uh, worked a lot of different roles within the construction industry. And, um, you know, of course, that was one of my requirements for us to get married was that he actually buy a property. So so he did. He fulfilled his obligation there. And uh, and then, yeah, he liked it, too. He was like, OK, this is great. He could see, you know, kind of the, the I don't want to say the light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, we were both in the construction industry 
And, you know, he was making great money. You know, I was making good money. But we were both kind of like, you know, of course, this is in our early 20s thinking, gosh, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have our own portfolio? And then we could decide if we actually wanted to work or not. Um, So he bought in, you know, really early on. And, you know, kind of our joke is that, you know, I'm acquisitions and he is basically you know, repairs, renovations, um, you know, taking care of everything. You know, I, I buy a lot of times the ugly properties. And so he, you know, kind of manages the contractors. And, you know, oftentimes if they don't show up, he'll have to do the work himself or chooses to do the work himself, rather, I should say. Um, so, yeah, he pretty much handles, you know, everything on the maintenance, repair, you know, renovation side. And, you know, I just go out there, find the deals, run the numbers and, you know, do the acquisitions. That's interesting. So, so your goal here to get to 50 million by 50, how is your allocation going to change? Do you anticipate it changing much? You know, um, I mean, obviously we're going to add a lot more units (laughs) to, to get to that point. Um, but you know, I don't know that we're really going to, I mean, unless, something comes up where it it can get better returns and, you know, more equity than than real estate. I mean, we might, you know, kind of add different, I I mean, I've had some private equity deal pitches and things like that. Um, But, you know, really, I think just kind of doing some of these projects that we're currently doing, like, for example, you know, this uh, two duplex project uh, will be into it about 500,000. It'll be worth about a million dollars when we're done. So, you know, late spring, when this project is done, you know, that'll add another $500,000 to our net worth. So the goal is to go out and find, you know, more of these new construction projects where we can, you know, develop them out, um, you know, increase our net worth. And then, of course, that property also um, is supposed to provide about $45,000 in annual cash flow. So, you know, I think we'll just continue to kind of do what we've been doing, but maybe um, do it on a larger scale. I see. Do you anticipate ever, you know, raising money and putting together a syndicated deal or or not so much? You know, I've actually had a lot of uh, people ask me about that. And um, I actually had a 12 unit um, earlier this year that we were planning on syndicating that one kind of fell apart, um, you know, due to cul-de-sac issues and city zoning, you know, kind of nonsense. Um, but I haven't found any other kind of bigger projects locally uh, that would make sense to syndicate. Um, you know, on some of these smaller ones, of course, we just have the capital and we can kind of just do it on our own without having, you know, other um, investors in that deal. Um, but I do see us, you know, probably doing that in the future again, just because we have so many requests for that. Uh, so, you know, that's definitely something that we'd consider and likely do in the future. That's interesting. And how are you meeting those people? Is that friends? Is that, is that through the blog? Is that, you know, word of mouth because you've obviously been successful at doing, at managing or where do those, where do those come from? Yeah. So a lot of them are former clients. Um, you know, I worked, uh, as a real estate agent for years, helping investors, you know, find a lot of these projects kind of similar to what we were doing. You know, I would help other people find investment opportunities and then, you know, kind of, we would do the next one and then I, you know, help another investor get into that. Um, so a lot of them are former clients. Um, and then also, uh, now I, you know, I just started a blog, um, earlier, uh, this year, Um, and, you know, sharing a lot of information out there. So I have, you know, a lot of people, 
um, that are kind of inquiring about what we're doing there. And then I also do local meetups. Um, it's really fun to network with other investors, kind of figure out, you know, what other people are doing, what's working for them, of course, you know, network on, um, you know, contractors and contacts and things like that. So, you know, a lot of it's just word of mouth, former clients, um, you know, friends, people that kind of uh, see what we're doing and ask about it. Gotcha. So just to recap for our listeners, this is Jennifer from REI Millionaire. It's www.reimillionaire.com with a net worth of $1.8 million. So you have about 150000 Is that all in your 401k? Or is that invested in the market? Uh, yeah, so everything, so I have a, a 65000 in the 401k, and that is completely invested, not in the real estate, or, or I'm sorry, not in the stock market, but I've got about half of it is with peerstreet.com, which is a, um, it's basically the kind of uh, crowdfund hard money loans for investors. And then I have about $5,000 with uh, AHP fund, Um American Homeowner Preservation Fund. They buy distressed notes um, and then kind of do workouts with the homeowners. And then uh, another 25000 in an apartment syndication. Um, and then I think I have like 2300 in cash that I need to get out there on that one. Gotcha. Why have you chosen not to invest in the stock market? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I think the biggest thing is, you know, I think if I would, I would invest in dividend paying stocks. But when I've done the research on, you know, the, the what the dividend payouts are, it's kind of like, gosh, well, why, why would I do that when I can do real estate? But again, you know, remember my investing strategy is really just for cash flow and, you know, cash flow is same as, you know, dividends, of course. But, um, but yeah, but I, I think the, the benefit of doing, you know, real estate instead of the stock market is I don't actually have to sell in order to, you know, get an income from that. Whereas, you know, with the stock market, of course, dividend paying stocks are an option, um, but they're just nowhere near the returns that I can get within real estate. So um, I've, I've had that question before. And I really think that, you know, for what we're doing and, you know, our knowledge within real estate, it, it would actually be less efficient for us to take some capital away from real estate to put in the stock market. And of course, that's, you know, just, just my opinion, but I'm also very biased because I love real estate. Gotcha. What kind of mistakes have you made along the way? Oh my gosh. So many. Um, I think, I think the biggest one was really, uh, first believing that investing was, you know, only for appreciation. Um, and then of course I realized that that failed, uh, within, within a, year of owning my first house, you know, I, I bought it for 230,000. I think it went down to like literally 125 the next year. Um, so that, <laughs> that was a huge mistake of just buying, you know, based on appreciation. And then I think another mistake is, you know, of course I got started really, you know, young in my twenties, <clears throat> but I don't think I took enough risks. So I think in my twenties, I was more like playing not to lose instead of to win. And so I, I think that if I had been playing to win, um, I probably would have, you know, double the holdings I have now. And then the most recent mistake was I had set up my self-directed, you know, 401k, which is great. I think, you know, any uh, self-employed or small business owner should have one. Um, I set mine up in 2014 and then I funded it, but I didn't actually invest it until 2016. So it literally sat, you know, it was like $60,000 
um, you know, was growing and sitting, earning 0.01% interest for two years until finally I was like, oh gosh, I got to get these funds out there. I better invest this in something. And um, so that was really silly. I don't, I don't know why I didn't do that. Gotcha. So what would you recommend to somebody who's maybe, you know, 30s or mid 20s and they're looking to invest in real estate? Where do they start? Yeah. So I think, I mean, really, honestly, the best place to start is I think to buy an owner occupied, you know, two to four unit property. You know, at that point, you can, you know, get into real estate. Of course, we, we all need a roof over our head, right? We're either going to be paying rent or paying a mortgage. But in the case of when you buy and live in a multifamily property, you can actually, you know, have that mortgage, own the property, but likely live mortgage free because of all the other, you know, um, units should be paying your mortgage payment. And then, of course, you know, you only have to live there for a year. That's the owner occupancy requirement. If you get an owner occupant type loan, uh, you know, move out, rent that out and just kind of snowball and, you know, continue to do that. Um, I've noticed though that a lot of people don't do that. I think the the common response I get is, oh gosh, I don't want to live in a duplex. So I don't want to live in a fourplex. And I really think that that's kind of, you know, the difference of, um, you know, the people who are really committed to changing their financial future. Uh, my husband and I did that, you know, we lived in a duplex for a year and, you know, it wasn't very fun, but it was awesome to not have, you know, really much of a mortgage payment. So I think that, you know, I think you have to be motivated. If you really want to do something, you'll figure out a way to do it. It's probably going to be uncomfortable, but it's only a year, especially, you know, if you're 20 or 30 years old, um, you know, a year goes by quick. It's not like you need to keep up with the Joneses at that age anyway. Um, so I really think that that's honestly the best, you know, place to start. But, you know, if you're living in a really expensive area, like, you know, New York City or San Francisco, then that just may not be a viable option. So then the next option I would say would be to look at places like Indianapolis, Nashville. I love Nashville, Jacksonville, um, you know, a lot of different cities that have houses or, you know, of course, multifamily properties that are, you know, really good investments. And, you know, not that I like single family, but let's say, you know, if you only have $20,000 to invest, you can easily buy a Seventy-five, eighty-five thousand dollar house in Indianapolis. It's going to rent for thousand, eleven hundred bucks a month, um, and you know that would still be a really good investment, and you know pretty easy to do at that age. Um, the other thing I think, you know, for the twenty and thirty year olds, because of course, you know, I'm thirty-one, so this is my my generation, the millennial generation. Um, I think we have to be prepared for the fact that Social Security may not be around by the time that you know we would be able to collect it. And then I also think that we're going to have to be prepared for, you know, taking care of our parents. You know, people are living longer. Um, I'm actually seeing this happen a lot in the 50-year-old range is, you know, where they're paying for their the care for their parents. And then they're also paying, you know, for their 20-somethings for college. And they're really struggling right now. So um, I think, of course, you know, number one is invest in real estate. And then number two, I would say get a side hustle. Um, because you're going to need the income at some point in the future if you want to retire. Yeah, I think that's great advice. How have you built your your team? I know you kind of you do you do pro- some of the property management yourself, some you outsource. But what about the accounting, the legal work? If any, have you done that, or how have you built your team around you? 
Yeah, a lot of it is by referral or, you know, of course, just networking with other investors. So uh, my CPA, of course, came from a referral. My current bookkeeper, you know, they're out of state, but they came by referral. Um, My civil engineer came by referral. I mean, just everyone, uh, pretty much everyone that's on my team, I would say, has come by referral. So I think that the value of your, you know, network um, is really, you know, kind of what what helps there in getting those super awesome team members. Because you're right. I mean, the team is super important, um, you know, especially when you're doing real estate. Yeah. And I think that's the holdup for some people not really knowing, you know, how to start or, or who to contact and, and where all that can begin. How has it been investing out of state and how often do you visit those properties? Has that been a challenge for you? No, it was actually really easy. Uh, so we bought, of course, a fixer-upper because I like value-add properties. Uh, value-add meaning, you know, it's it's the, t- the type of properties are usually undervalued uh, for one reason or another. Sometimes it's because, um, you know, it needs a little bit of work or it's under-rented. You know, in this case, it was both. So, uh, so yeah, when we bought that property, we knew it was going to need a full rehab. And I just leveraged the team there. So, again... Um, you know, I think I found the agent on biggerpockets.com. He referred me the property manager. The property manager referred me the contractor and, uh, you know, basically bought it off of video and pictures, um, hired the contractor on the word of the property manager. Uh, we paid the contractor on a weekly basis based on uh, pictures from the contractor and then double verification from the property manager who actually went out and said, yeah, you know, cabinets are in or this is done. And, um, and then the property got completely rehabbed and then we flew out and looked at it and said, you know, okay, I gave the contractor a little bit of a punch list, uh, after that, but yeah, it was actually super, super easy. Um, I I would say, I mean, in some cases it, it was maybe even easier than some of our local deals because, you know, we couldn't be involved. So, you know, it it, it probably actually took less time um, because it wasn't something where, you know, I would do I would do a drive by to, you know, check out the work or my husband was involved, things like that. So it was actually really easy. Are there any books that you'd recommend to, to first time investors or novice investors? Yeah. So I'm kind of obsessed with the four hour work week. I know that that sounds really cliche, but honestly, I think I've read that thing like nine times. And I, and I think the biggest thing is like, I've always picked up different, um, you know, tips and tricks or come up with different ideas and reading it, uh, you know, for optimization, of course, you know, building side hustles, things like that. I actually feel like it's, you know, kind of even applicable to real estate too, if you kind of think about the systems and processes behind it and then outsourcing. Um, so that I think is a fantastic book. Um, I also, you know, of course, again, kind of cliche, but I like Rich Dad, Poor Dad just for the mentality of things. I don't know that there's, you know, a whole lot of Robert Kiyosaki's advice, um, you know, that, that I would take other than just the mindset of kind of, you know, the difference of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I think, you know, I'm a big podcast person. So, of course, I think this podcast is absolutely amazing. I think um, I love what you guys are doing in you know, featuring different stories in different ways, you know, that people are building their net worth, building passive income, things like that. I think hearing it from everyday people of, of what's working for them is super important. 
Um, you know, I think there's a lot of advice out there and sometimes I, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a skeptic, right? So I think, um, you know, getting real people and, and hearing real interviews and, you know, getting some transparency out there on, you know, what portfolios look like. I think that that's really important. So yeah, I, I would say, you know, those things. Good stuff. Where can people uh, get in touch with you or find out more about you? Yeah, so um, my blog is probably the best place. That is www.reimillionaire.com. And I actually uh, post a monthly cash flow and net worth update. Uh, so if you want to kind of follow follow along to this with this journey of uh, 50 million by 50, I don't know if I'll still be blogging at 50, but we'll, we'll, see. we'll see how far we go there. Uh, so yeah, that's probably the best place. And then of course, you know, I, I share stories of, different, you know, little projects that we have going on and, you know, stuff like that. If you, uh, if you want to check that out and you can also email me through the blog. Awesome. Jennifer from reimillionaire.com with a net worth of 1.8 comprised mostly of real estate duplexes and a triplex in there. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Fun. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Jace Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.